Hey, I'm Daniel, a political activist and campaigner turned management consultant turned coach. And this is PolitikWise, the podcast where politics meets personal development. Let's face it, it's easy to criticize those in politics. But being in politics is not an easy ride. And yet for many who make the leap, it's worth it. They can make a real difference. So how can we have both? How can we make a difference while at the same time showing up as the best version of ourselves? It's a question that's been with me for the last 20 years. First, when I started out as an activist leading an NGO, then when I did a PhD in politics, and later when I quit my job in consulting to help build up a political movement and run an election campaign. And today, as I coach young leaders who want to make a difference while staying true to themselves. I know the answers are out there, so join me on this podcast. We'll hear from political leaders, from psychologists, neuroscientists, philosophers about their findings and experiences. And together, we learn about the ideas, mindsets, and tools of wise people in politics and beyond. Let's go. My guest on this episode is Gaia van der Esch. Gaia is an Italian-Dutch executive in a non-profit in public sectors, a policy expert and author. She is currently leading a large international foundation working across the world to end poverty and exclusion and hold climate change. Gaia previously led the work of G20 Empower, defining and advancing the gender equality agenda across the G20 countries. Gaia was a guest on my podcast a year ago in episode number seven, and now she is back because she's written and published a new book. It's called Leading Our Way, How Women Are Redefining Leadership. And it's a fascinating account of seven contemporary iconic women leaders really telling their stories and their diverse stories of leadership in fields such as World Cup football, the science laboratory, climate change negotiations, leading revolutions, and the fashion world. And Gaia gives us a glimpse into those stories in this episode, and we talk about what it means to expand our understanding of leadership, how it looks like and how it feels like to be a leader in these very different fields. So I learned quite a bit. I hope you enjoy this episode as well. Gaia, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here again. You've been guest one year ago on uh, the podcast. A lot has changed. If you wanted to say what is the biggest thing that has changed for you since the the, the episode, what would that be? Well, I mean, first of all, thanks for having me again after one year. Um, when we spoke last time, I think I was just at the beginning of the project around my book at identifying the woman I wanted to interview, the leaders I wanted to interview. And now the book is coming out literally tomorrow. Um, and so I think this is a big change. It has been a big chunk of work over the past year. And it's my side job. So it's like an evening, weekend type of thing. And I'm very glad it's written. I'm very glad it's coming out. And now I'm a little nervous because, of course, it's out there for everybody to read and to judge. And I just hope people will really love it and get inspired and lead in their own way by reading it. Yeah. And it's been a, a bit of a leading question from me. Um, this is exactly... Uh, why I'm very happy that you're on the podcast again uh, to talk about your book. And um, the book is called Leading Our Way, How Women Are Redefining Leadership. And 
you have interviewed a couple of influential female leaders. You've highlighted their stories in the books, the lesson that you learned from them. You also said that you selected them and you were in the process of selecting them. Can you say a bit more about how did you how did you choose these women? What inspired you to choose these particular women? Perhaps you can also say who, who they are and, and any challenges that you faced in portraying their stories in the way that you did. Of course. I mean, first, who they are. They are all quite trailblazing women, the women that think outside the box, that have done things that sometimes are a little crazy or innovative or different from what we usually see. And that was one of my key criteria in, in identifying these leaders, because the idea behind this book is really to rethink what leadership looks and acts like. So I wanted people that have done that, that had the courage to shift the narrative around leadership, to do things in a different way compared to what we usually interpret as leadership, which is very much, I don't know, hierarchical and a bit authoritative and just, you know, pushing forward a certain agenda, which might be the interest of the organization or your self-interest or uh, the interest of specific group. And, and actually, I wanted leaders that did things in a broader and a different way, also bringing different values to the table. So that was one of my key criteria when I started searching for a different woman that I thought for this profile. The other criteria was also diversity. I wanted to have within this group of women leaders featured in the book, diversity among them, because I'm someone that is passionate about politics, about policy. So if it would have followed my passion, it would have been probably all politicians <laughs> or the few women head of state or something of that sort. Uh, but I really thought it's interesting to explore leadership from very different sectors and from very different countries and continents and very different cultures and also from different age perspectives. So if you look at the list of the women I have, they are mixed because I wanted a mixed type of bunch of women that could speak of leadership from very different perspectives and very different paths that they've had in their life. So the women are, first of all, we have Cristiana Figueres. She was the head, let's say she's, she's for who doesn't know the UN mechanism, she's the woman behind the Paris Climate Agreement of 2015, which was the most successful, let's say, climate agreement we've reached so far. And she's a very bold courageous, optimist woman really pushing for change. She's from Costa Rica originally. The second is Gitanjali Rao. She is from the US, origins from India. Her parents are originally from India. And she is super young and very impressive. She's now 17, but she was the first kid of the year of Time magazine when she was 13, 14. And she's a girl in STEM. And she's already done 11 inventions in her life, which I'm like, I don't know, by age 17, I was sleeping in every weekend. And she's like already done 11 inventions. And now she's just starting MIT very soon. And so she has this profile of a girl in STEM, which is typically not that common. But not only she is herself an innovator, she's someone that is really empowering thousands of children and teenagers to also go into STEM, to also innovate, to fix world problems. And that's what I really liked of her. We then have Becky Sauerbrunn. Becky is the captain of the U.S. national football team. 
So again, a completely different world. She's a sportswoman. Uh, she has been leading the, the U.S. Uh, national uh, football or soccer, soccer team for Americans uh, that are listening in. And she's a very interesting leader. Uh, she's an introvert which is, I think, something that differentiates her from most of the other personalities I have in the book. And she leads really a bit as a fly on the wall, listening to what her team of extroverts is saying, and then being the one that manages to put a strategy together. And she's also very interesting because not only she has, of course, the experience of leading a team in, you know, the team that has been winning the World Cup, uh, apart from this year, but for the previous uh, many years, uh, but she also was the one of the key uh, people behind the equal pay lawsuit in the U.S., which actually led to a, a, an agreement with the U.S. national football and national soccer to have equal pay between women and male players. So she's also a trailblazer beyond uh, the football field uh, for equal rights. Um, the fourth one that we have is uh, Tawakol Karman. Tawakol is um, from Yemen. Uh, so already imagining that she's a woman from Yemen, of course, it puts in a specific context of how women, you know, grow up or educated or told what they can and can't do in a relatively conservative country. But not only she grew up with a lot of social constraints, she is the woman that led the revolution in Yemen that led to the fall of the dictatorship in 2012. And she was awarded a Nobel Peace Prize because of that in 2011. So she is a bit of a revolutionary, or not a bit, she is a revolutionary. Uh, she now no longer can live in Yemen because the, the, the country situation has deteriorated a lot. And yeah, she, she unfortunately needs to continue this revolution a little bit from the outside. But she's still fighting for freedom for her country. She's fighting for freedom for many other countries. She's very influential when it comes to a journalist. She's very influential when it comes to media freedom. And she's also part of the, the advisory board. So she's someone that is really taking this freedom battle out on the global stage by now. We then have Diane von Fustenberg, who is a designer originally from Belgium. And Diane is someone that had a huge success back in the starting from the 70s, because she's the one that designed the wrap dress, which is, you know, this dress that you wear like mm -hmm. tight around your waist. And mm -hmm. it's a dress that was very symbolic for women also during the feminist movement in the US, because it was really dressed to empower women to make us feel comfortable but also beautiful and good in our skin and then that that's the theory of Diane that that gives you then more power more confidence to be the woman that you want to be so she's a very iconic designer that had lots of ups and downs in her career and she's by now very known very iconic she's also a philanthropist she has the BBF awards that recognize you know the outstanding woman every year what's interesting of her is that She's not the typical hyper successful CEO that has always been successful. She had moments in her life where she lost all her business, then she put it back. It was really a up and down life. And I think she's someone that shows a lot of resilience and shows a lot of authenticity. And she was always herself no matter what. And that's what's interesting and what she also brings to the book, among many other things. We then have a Comfort Hero, 
who is the CEO of the International Crisis Group. Comfort is from the UK and Nigeria. Um, it's a very interesting profile because typically the International Crisis Group, which is a big think tank that advises policymakers, politicians, heads of states about conflict and peace and negotiation and mediation, uh, they have profiles CEO profiles that come from the outside world, right? Former ministers, former prime ministers. So it's big personalities that come and lead the international crisis group that have walked the corridors of power. Comfort comes from within the organization. She's been an analyst with them for the past 20 plus years. And she went, moved up and up and up within the organization. She's the first black woman to lead the organization. So she's a very different profile compared to the usual profile. But of course, she's now the CEO and she's the one uh, dealing with heads of states and with head of rebel groups to try and negotiate peace, to try and, uh, you know, bring people together towards um, a less conflictual world, which is actually not working right now, not because of her, but because of our many heads of states that are leading, maybe not how we would want them to lead. Um, and and so it's a very interesting interview where we also speak about global order, about how is it that the West needs to rethink its role in the world and its approach uh, to other countries across the world. And, and we speak a lot about values, about integrity as a core trait of leadership. The final one is Gloria Steinem. Gloria Steinem, for anyone that is a feminist, probably they, they've come across her, read something from Gloria Steinem. She's the icon of feminism in the U.S., uh, she's seen as the mother of the feminist movement, um, and she's the one that has been, uh, with many other women, of course, uh, been bringing forward a lot of battles, be it for abortion, be it for divorce, uh, be it for equal rights or equal pay in the U.S., uh, she's still very, very iconic, and she, she, she's the one that tries to redefine leadership more as a circular thing rather than a hierarchical thing. And that's what also she tries to bring in this book in terms of redefining what leadership looks and acts like. So first of all, th thank you for this, I think, insight already and getting a taste for what to expect and the different stories. And what comes to, to mind for me is the diversity of stories. Uh, I can really see how um, a range of people will uh, find inspiration in, in particular stories uh, seems to be something for yeah a range of people, not just people who, I don't know, go into politics or any one of those fields. So going for this criterion of diversity, mm -hmm. I, I can see why you went for that. Um, the way that you structured the book was that for behind every chapter, there is the story of one of these leaders that you mentioned, and you title each chapter with the leadership qualities that I, I, I guess that person represents and those qualities just for the, the listeners, are optimism, curiosity, consistency, authenticity, freedom, integrity, and circularity. My question would be, how do you relate to these seven qualities? What's your perspective on, on these? Is this a list of leadership qualities to strive for? Is this just to show the variety of how leadership can express and that the, these different leaders express a particular quality more than others. And perhaps if I can throw a third question into it, Gaia, what is 
Any one of these surprise you? Any of these qualities? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. So definitely through the book, I don't want to say that there is one leadership model. That's not the message that I want to pass with this book. What I was hoping to do is to expand our view on what leadership can look like and can act like. And it's a book that I wrote because I, as a manager, as an executive myself, I'm not an author as a full-time job. I I felt a lack of guidance and an inspiration on, on different leadership models. And I often also felt that, I don't know, when I was hyper collaborative or very empathetic, or, you know, when I showed some of the qualities that are typically not associated to leadership, I would often be told, no, but you have to be more competitive. You have to be more assertive as a boss. You have to be more this. You you shouldn't involve the team as much in these type of decisions, right? So I think in our companies and our countries, these are not typically the traits that we associate to leadership, but I think these should be part of the traits we have within a leader. And again, not all leaders will embrace all of them. I think each of us then needs to find their own range of values of qualities that are closest to us, right? Uh, some people, I'm a very big optimist, for example, I'm convinced that you can always change and fix things. Other people by nature are not, and that's fine. And they will bring something different to the table. But the idea really with this book was to give a range of qualities that um, I sometimes struggle if to, to myself to know if it's qualities, if it's values, it's a bit of a mix between the two. Um, for then each of us to think about them, maybe also other qualities, other values will come up for themselves, but just to know that there's a broader range linked to leadership and to get excited and to say, okay, if leading is about, uh, you know, being curious, empowering others, uh, being, I don't know, authentic, then, then I want to be part of it, then I want to lead. Uh, and many people don't because they're told leadership is about being competitive and being positive and being assertive and tell others what to do and know better, better than anyone else. And then they don't feel they can fit those shoes and then they don't lead, right? But we need different leaders. So that's really the intent behind these qualities uh, that come out in the book or these traits that define leadership. And just one thing I would add is that in the conclusion, the conclusion, the conclusion has a title. I don't know if it's a common thing to do, but I put a title to it, which is about empathy. Um, and empathy for me, it's another trait that comes out throughout the book. Um, so you will see many other qualities mentioned throughout the book. And empathy is something that really comes out throughout all these different leaders. And that's a key trait I wanted to add, because I think that leadership without empathy is dangerous. And I think that's what we're seeing in today's world, a lack of connection between leadership and empathy, bringing us to so many wars and struggles and conflict and positioning and uh, power dynamics that are not healthy for the long-term sustainability of humanity, of the planet, of any one of us. So it really starts with empathy and that's where the conclusion goes to. And, and that's something I hope everyone can take home and reflect about in terms of their leadership style. And and I looked back, Gaia, also at our last conversation, because you also said there's something about empathy. Uh, you said, I've heard many times you're too empathic, as if that's negative. No, the problem is they they are not empathic enough. Politics should start with empathy. And here you're making the broader point, leadership starts with empathy. 
Yes. And I think leadership, again, it's not always seen as linked to empathy. On the contrary, I think in today's world, leadership is seen as affirming a certain agenda or certain interest and taking it forward no matter what. Right. And that's where I think that if we want to fix our global challenges, we need to rethink leadership. It's the first starting point. We need to rethink how we value certain things and how we judge certain leaders. What are the criteria that we use when looking at the best CEO for a company or the best head of state that we want to elect or the best politician that we want to that we want that? to represent us, uh, I think we need to really start by redefining what leadership is and having this conversation about the fact that probably we've had a too narrow view of success equal leadership or capacity to advance your agenda, no matter what equals leadership, than being assertive and bossy equals leadership. No, like real leadership is bringing change, but bringing change that has a positive impact and that is aware of the impact it's having on people around you, on the society around you. And that's the type of leadership we need if we hope to fix, be it climate change, be it divorce, be it poverty, be it inequalities. So that's what I'm hoping to do with this book. It's not a woman, a book about women only for women. It's a book for everyone to rethink about leadership and about our personal leadership style, about what we want to expect in our companies, in, in our countries, and about leadership as a concept per se. And it's about how women are bringing certain traits to the table, but it's not traits that are exclusive to women. It's traits that everyone can have. Also, men are even men are even more taught that they shouldn't cry, they shouldn't start show feelings, they shouldn't be empathetic they shouldn't be collaborative men are even more victims of these stereotypes than women so it's a book that hopefully will really speak to everyone that wants to break these type of stereotypes and be themselves and not be scared of showing feelings of showing that they care of wanting jobs that have a positive impact on the world and don't destroy it and and you know claim that difference different way of leading and of being in the world Gaia, uh, sometimes it helps, you know, there's a lot of uh, in the leadership literature about what to do as a leader, right? This is always like a lot of speak about this, this is what a leader should do and, and have as qualities. Did anything come out of, of your um, writing process where you saw that this is something that leaders should not do? Um, a trap that many leaders fall into? Yes, definitely. I think one of the traps is very well explained in the first chapter by Cristiana Figueres. Um, she is actually the daughter of the former president of Costa Rica. And she was brought up in a very patriarchal family, in a family where it was a lot, leadership was a lot about authority, a lot about, you know, asserting yourself and taking things forward. Her dad was actually a supervisionary president. He's the one that eliminated uh, the army in Costa Rica. He's the one that gave equal voting rights. So he was a very forward-looking and visionary president that is still like admired and a huge icon in Costa Rica. But what Cristiana says is that she was taught that what's important is to have a hard hard back if you want to lead right so the very masculine way of being in the world and she had that 
hard back her entire life. And I think a lot of leaders have that hard back their entire life, right? That core hard way of driving change. And what's very interesting is that she realized that was a trap when she took the position as the head of the UNFCCC, so the UN agency, let's say the secretariat, which is behind the COP, and she was going to lead the upcoming COP in Paris. And she had a big personal uh, drama at that point. She speaks about it in the book. And, and it obliged her to realize that she hadn't been touched enough in her personal life and then also in her work with what she calls the soft front. Um, and the soft front is this more empathetic side, is this capacity to communicate, to relate to others, to understand situations and to, yes, be a bulldozer and bring in change, but being a bulldozer that has this awareness of themselves, of your own, you know, well-being, of your own balance and of others' well-being and balance, because it's only having the mix of two that will make you a really efficient leader. And I think this is great that I mean unfortunate that she had that personal trauma but great that she had this realization because she worked on herself but then from that she worked on the entire system within her team and then with all the governments and then with the civil society and she brought that element of the soft front to the negotiations and that changed the history of the Paris Agreement. Uh, The previous uh, COP was in Copenhagen was a complete failure Uh, So there was a huge pressure on her to deliver. And she didn't deliver by just affirming the hard back. She delivered by bringing in the soft front and by really putting back uh, at the center of the discussion with governments, what what are we doing here? This is really about the, the survival of next generation. This is really about the survival of nature. It's not only a power positioning between us. And, And bringing back that you know, humanity at the center of the conversation is what very often managed to de-block negotiations when they were blocked. So I think that's definitely a leadership trap that we all get stuck into, you know, and I personally did as well. I was always also trained a little bit when I was managing to be very competitive, to be very assertive and to have this strong back and not necessarily to foster my soft front. And I think learning this is something that comes out a lot uh, from the book, from different leaders that had this personal journey uh, towards understanding they were maybe missing one of the two. And finding this balance is what leadership should be about. We need both. It's not about eliminating Mm -hmm. other traits of leadership. It's about knowing when it's the right moment to play which card and to have a balance between the two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that flexibility to bring what's needed in, in the situation. And I guess it comes back to your goal with this book of expanding what leadership means and can look like that you show, hey, in the, those different situations, those leaders show very different qualities, but it's exactly what was perhaps needed. Exactly. Uh, in their role. Hmm. Mm. Anything was surprising for you about talking with um, these uh, leaders in their in their fields and, and the qualities that emerged For example, did you imagine something totally different coming up from any particular conversation or overall? So definitely there were surprising aspects. I think first there was a personal aspect, right? I I met with these leaders and I spoke to them for many hours. And of course, there's always this personal connection. With some, it was like this immediate 
connection. And then since then, I got married the day after the deadline of the book. And now I'm expecting a baby. And we're even in touch on these type of things. And, you know, they're like super cheerleaders and I'm a super cheerleader for them. So with some, there was this very strong personal connection. With others, we got along perfectly fine, but didn't create that type of personal contact in the long run so that's already something very interesting as you as you approach that to work to discover to discover also what these leaders are themselves looking for and how they connect and how they interact because it says a lot about their personality and about how much also social capacity social space they still have and and I think that was not a surprise in the sense I knew that would happen but I had no idea what would happen with who Uh, and so that wasn't a surprising element for myself personally and it's 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 a very nice element to reflect about when when looking back at the leaders and when looking back at the the time I had with them and the second thing that I think was surprising is that of course I had some values in mind I, I wanted empathy to come out, and that's why it's in my conclusion. I knew that it was going to be in there. I I wasn't surprised by some values such as, I don't know, curiosity. I think that's something really important. Often leaders think they know it all, or they're told they need to know it all. So curiosity is something we typically lose. So it's something that when it came out during the interview, I was like, yes, I do want it there. And there were other traits that it took me a while to think and to understand why they're so important, because they're traits that maybe I also uh, struggle more with, right? I have certain things that are very clear for me that I want as a leader, I want to see as a leader. I'm a very authentic person. I'm a very spontaneous person. I'm a very optimistic person. So when they told me those words, I was like, oh, yes, of Mm -hmm. course. But for example, when I was speaking with Becky, she was speaking, the captain of the US football team, She's a sport mentality. I am the most unsport unsporty people person you can find. And she was all about, you know, consistency and you can't control the elements around you. You can't control the weather. You can't control, you know, how your teammates are going to feel physically because if there is a certain amount of control you can have on your body, uh, the body then does a bit what it wants. As much as you can train it, at some point you might have an injury or something might happen, you know, that just creates an injury. Um, what you can control is yourself and how you show up every single day. And you need to learn to become comfortable with the uncomfortable in this process. So you need to always push yourself a little bit more to understand that there's always an uncomfortable component in your job, in your life, in your leadership journey. Uh, and you need to learn and train to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And, and so consistency came out as a word of, as a principle of how to go about your job and your life and your journey towards leading and creating change and and learning how to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, which I find it very interesting, but very different from what I would have um, had. I think I'm a very consistent person. I don't think I'm a good person to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. I struggle with that. Right. So but that's when it made it even more interesting for me because I was like, yes, like that's I want to want to expand my vision by writing this book. And so when things came out that weren't the immediate thought for myself, I found it even more fascinating. And I found there was even more value added of having these different personalities that brought perspectives that I wouldn't have been able to bring. Um, So definitely a few surprises. Um, 
but a few good surprises because it really challenged myself as well and my own thinking uh, about what leadership is. And I hope it will challenge the people reading it uh, because it's it's not a one-sided story. It's many stories, it's many visions, and you will cry when you read some things, you laugh when you read other things, you will find yourself in some people or in some words, you will not identify in others. But that's part of understanding where you stand compared to all of this. Yeah, you already touched upon it, um, but I think it's a great way to end is what's the impact that you hope to achieve and and also who do you hope uh, to reach with the book? I hope to reach everyone, women and men, and that's something that it's difficult because it's a book that has women featured in it because I think that's the part of the story which is often often missing in our narrative. So I wanted to bring women's voices to the table, but it's not, again, for women. But of course, it will be perceived very much as a book for women, by women, from women, yeah, or for women, by women. And it's not. It's really a book for everyone. So I hope that lots of guys, and I'm great. I'm very grateful that we're having this interview. And I also had another interview with a podcast with another man last week. So I think it's great to bring this discussion and have the discussion between us because it's really a book and it's a reflection we should all be having. I I definitely hope I will get to a lot of leaders, people that have the power right now to change or to re reflect on how they're leading, I don't know, their party, their organization, their ministry, their company, whatever it is, because they're the ones that can change things now. And we need change to happen very fast. We can't wait one, two generations for leadership to change how we think about it and how it looks like. But it's also a book that I definitely would have loved having and reading when I was a student, for example, trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. It's a book that gives so many different examples of careers. It's a book that uh, has very personal stories. They're stories that really touch a lot also to failures, to moments of difficulty that they had in their careers. And I think as a student or as a young professional, it's a book that opens a perspective on success that you usually don't have. You see these successful people like, oh my God, how did they do? I need to do everything always right and I can never get it wrong and I'll never be able to get there. No, like they're superhuman. They had so many screw-ups in their lives and they speak about it. And that was one of my preconditions to these interviews that we will be very honest about the difficulties we had in our careers because any of us can be a leader. It's not people that are out of this world and unreachable. It's some, they are like me. They're like you. They're like us reading. Uh, they're just at a different phase of their life and they just navigated things in a certain way. And and that for me, it was really important to also give this message to younger people that are navigating their career or navigating the university to figure out what they want to do, to relate to leaders, but to understand that they are leaders. They themselves have the potential to lead change. And it's not your title that makes you a leader. It's how you approach whatever you're doing. You can be an intern and you can lead Anyone can lead from any level. And so I really hope that it's not only a book for big CEOs and executives that I hope will challenge their own way of leading, but it's also a book for younger people that need to think, and it's very important that younger generations think about that, 
how they're going to change the rules of the game and not continue replicating rules that have brought the world where it stands today. Um, so I really hope the impact will be for all of us to challenge ourselves, to think and expand our vision of what uh, leadership is about, but mainly to really feel empowered that we can be that change, that we can be that leader, that we can and should bring our diversity to the table and not hide it, which we're often taught to hide anything that is a bit out of what usually is seen as leadership or as the professional behavior. We don't bring it to the table, but actually that has a lot of power. And I hope people feel empowered to bring it to the table and then mainly to read this book and then go out in the world and fix things. Uh, that's really where my hope is, is that it, it leads to action, it leads to change, uh, it leads to each of us doing our part uh, to fix things, um, to fix what's not working. Be it a tiny thing in your community, be it a huge thing by one day maybe being your head of state or head of this uh, big company, but each of us can bring that change. So that's really the impact I hope it has. Yeah, Gaia, thank you for you know, telling these stories for expanding, as you said, the understanding of what leadership means in these different fields and certainly inspiring stories there, much to learn and much to identify with. Where can people find the book and when is it available? Is it already well, out? It's a, it's officially out tomorrow. So the ebook is already out since last week. So you can find it anywhere. And the actual hard copy of the book is going to be released tomorrow. So anyone that pre-ordered it is going to start receiving it from tomorrow. Or if you order it, you're practically going to receive it straight away. So you can find it anywhere. It's a global release. So it means you can find it on, of course, Amazon and any of the countries you're in. Uh, if you don't want to use Amazon, there are many other online book retailers uh, that you can use. Um, of course, you can find it on the page of the publisher, which is Wiley. It's a big American publishing house uh, that has offices in Europe, in Australia, in Singapore, all over the world, literally. You can find it on any online book uh, retailers and also, of course, in bookstores. So you can order it at your bookstore or Hopefully they already have some copies and find it right there. It's nice to support bookstores as well. So really you can find it. You should be able to find it quite easily. And I really hope you'll enjoy the read. And it's leading our way, how women are redefining leadership. Gaia, thank you very much for taking time. Much success uh, with this. Thank you for telling these stories and thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was great reconnecting. Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening. I hope you liked the episode. Please share it with someone who might find it valuable as well. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover or a guest I should talk to, let me know. You can find out more on my website. Head over to politicwise.org. Until the next time.